Welcome to right. another episode of Path to Pro, this powered by Mariotti. This time I'm joined by Simon Carr. Say hello. Hi, I'm uh, Simon Carr and racing for EF Education Nepo this year. So the first, this is the first uh, World Tour rider on the Path to Pro series, which is quite exciting. Simon's got quite a lot of uh, experience uh, in France because obviously those of you who do know is, is half French, which um, which is great. So he's got a lot of experience on the D1 scene and then he's been Pro Conti and now World Tour. So he'll be able to shed some light on sort of his journey that way, really. So I'll sort of hop in, move on to the, the first one. This is the normal setup now already. Just some quick questions. So I'll shoot some through. So how old are you? So, 22, uh, 23 in August this year. Uh, how many years have you been cycling? Um, so, this will be my ninth season um, racing. So, I started when I was basically my first year as an under 16. Yeah. Um, and, well, I started like six months before that, but didn't do any racing. So, yeah, this will be my ninth season. Mega. So, and then, so yeah. So when you first started racing, what was your first team slash club like over in France? Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, the first team was the local club in Lemu, um, which is run by a Canadian guy called Chris Georges, and um, yeah, it's called AGCHVA Lemu. Um, and yeah so joined that and then I was there until the end of my junior years okay mega and then so your last team for those of you who don't know it was Nippo Nippo Delco is that right? Nippo Delco one Provence it was called yeah right. always changes name so yeah I always get confused with it the team names in cycling change like sometimes yeah. in the season don't they and then yeah. So your current team, as you said, EF Education Nippo? Yeah, exactly, yeah. And then, so whereabouts in France do you live? Is it Lemu, where the club's based? Your first club, sorry. Um, yeah, well, basically, yeah, basically Lemu is the closest um, reasonable-sized town. Um, it's down, basically, in the foothills of Pyrenees, just south of Carcassonne um so i'm sort of in a tiny village set equal distance between the moo carcassonne and then another town called mirepoix which is in the ariège um so just on the border between the ode and the ariège departments perfect perfect place to train and live i guess yeah so i'll, I'll skip to the last question uh, here just so sort of i guess it's i guess it's a good place to to sort of merge onto the question, what what is your favourite place to train? Is it where you live or somewhere you've been on a camp? Yeah, no, I'd say it's definitely here where I live. Um, I mean, for training, it's just uh, perfect. You've got uh, sort of some flat roads if you go north. Um, you can do sort of five, six hours of less than a thousand metres climbing. And then if you go south, um you can do well climbs as long as you want basically um up into pyrenees you've got plateau de bay and then my favorite climb is uh, col de paire um and that's really hard it's actually 
the um well it was the first second ride actually i did on a road bike um when i phoned up the lemu club and chris said oh we're doing Pierre tomorrow um so i just went along i think i was 12 or 13 and i only just made it to the top i my goal was to make the top without putting a foot down which is um what i did nice. obviously now it's a lot easier but it's still yeah it's still a tough climb even for me now obviously depends depends how you're riding it but it's uh pretty spectacular as well and yeah so is that part of the of the 10 hills route that you like to do no 10 hills is a another one actually from chris um well chris sort of took it over from um a, a local amateur who's uh, raced in the 60s and 70s uh, in the area yeah and um yeah that's uh doesn't take in Payer. it's kind of Starts and finishes in Lemu. It's 100 k's with 2,000 meters elevation and nice. well, 10 hills. Um, and the hills go from the longest, which is the second one, is 6k, I think, about four yeah. percent. Yeah. And then the shortest is the last one, hill 10, is about 800 meters, but 15 percent. And then you've got basically everything in between. Um, nice. So yeah, that's probably my favorite loop um although yeah i sort of most rides i go do at least one of those hills um but yeah i don't really plan rides because we've got so many good roads you just sort of head out and depending on what efforts i've done i've got, got to do so yeah, yeah. just see whether see where the road takes you i guess yeah um, so the last two quick questions uh favorite race um favorite race it can, um, it can be one you've done this, or one you want to do but it doesn't matter okay um well obviously the race everyone wants to do is the tour de france um that's the one i sort of first started watching i think next year or next year i know it's um actually going within about 300 meters of my house on stage 14 so that would be a dream to do that but it's quite unlikely in my first year as a pro yeah um but yeah even even if it's not going past my house I mean it's still um the biggest race in the world so gotta say that and then um yeah um my favorite race that I've done probably fits into your other question about the most memorable win and cycling experience um that would be actually was the tour of martinique that i did as a first year under 23 and was the first really long stage race i did to sort of week long stage race and first time i went well yeah actually first time i went on a flight sort of fly flew away to a race and, oh, cool. and it wasn't a huge race but it was pretty high level and um yeah won both tts and then a road stage so that was like that was probably the moment where i thought i was half decent at cycling and that gave me the confidence to then pursue it and yeah, yeah it's a really really good memory it's just a really fun no pressure and uh yeah nice race okay nice one so we'll move on now to sort of your journey I've, I've written down a bit more just so for anyone that listens to the podcast I can kind of run it through obviously people watching this can just read it but I'll sort of say 
I'll say what you say. So, you know, you've got you've got quite a clear progression. It's been quite a quick one from junior to world tour. So I just sort of want, you know, now to sort of discuss that kind of journey, really, sort of kind of step by step. Uh, you know, how how is the junior scene in France? Like, did you, is it just local races? You have international competition, you know, how did you, how did you find it as a, as a rider yourself? Um, the junior scene in France is actually really, really good because um, you do the junior races uh, all on, um, well, closed um, normal roads, um, inline races or circuits, but like a 20, 30k circuit or something um, with proper climbs and um yeah, that's really good. And then you also do, you, that will maybe be like 30, 40% of the racing you do. And then the rest of it is the, you can do, well, even race your first caps and second caps. Um, yeah. And those will be the same. There's some proper stage races, inline races. And yeah, that was really good. But in terms of my performance, I wasn't, I wasn't actually a great junior. I mean, I had a lot like big problems with allergies um, mm. that I didn't really know what it was. I thought I was overtraining because I was just really tired and um, kind of would have time off, rest, and then it would just be the same or worse. Um, so, yeah, I on the odd day when it was raining or something, I'd, I'd get a good result. But other than that, I wasn't wasn't really performing um, that well as a junior, which, yeah, looking back was maybe a good thing. I definitely mm. learned how to how to suffer on the bike, and I guess like learn to I guess in a way enjoy it more with the with like the no pressure. Obviously, you've seen like the Remcos and Brenners and all these really really young guys coming from juniors straight to World Tour. It's nice to sort of have that time to progress and have a bit more fun. I, I imagine. Mm -hmm. yeah I've definitely I mean I've also I think I've got a lot more experience than those guys arriving in the world tour straight from the juniors especially racing on the French scene like probably going to a bit more um as we go on but yeah you definitely get a lot of experience I mean um learn how to properly descend and um position yourself in a bunch and tactics and just also sort of look after yourself when you're racing because it's can be pretty tough doing obviously 60 70 days racing in a season which you might not do as a junior but you do in French DN1 team um and all sort of hard races so it's definitely a really good really good uh yeah school basically yeah yeah just to just to gain that and then, you know, nice little transition here. So from the juniors, went straight to D DM1 mm -hmm. uh, with uh, Occitan Cycle Formation. I think I think that's the team, isn't it, OCF? Yeah. Yeah. And then, so, you know, what was that transition like from the juniors uh, and then into DM1 with on, on the 23? With OCF first, we'll talk about aches in a second. Mm -hmm. How did you progress tactically and physically in those first two years of OCF? Yeah, so um, the first year of OCF was, um, 
yeah, it was, it was, I progressed a lot. I mean, I started getting a handle on the issues that um, had um, kind of held me back as a junior. And actually, well, to be honest, the first year in OCF, I was kind of just really wanted to be in the team. And um, they said I could join as long as I paid for like my travel expenses. Um, so I didn't have any sort of wage or anything. Um and I even paid for like my kit, bought my own bike and stuff, um, just because I wanted to be there. And um, yeah, pretty quickly I started performing in the in the Cat Two races, but I was still kind of um, lacking tactically, just because I hadn't really been in those situations fighting for for the win um, that often as a junior. Um, so I was probably strong enough to um have been a cat one straight away but i actually started off as a cat two for the first half of the season and that was good because i um yeah learned how to win races and i think in france you need to win four races as a cat two to be bumped up to cat one mid-season um otherwise it just happens in between seasons based off of points you get um and i actually won my fourth cat two race was the week before going off to martinique and then obviously martinique was um technically an elite level race and so won three of those stages and then yeah came back as a cat one so that was really good and then actually through ocf i then went straight from martinique and did my first 2.2 race um which was the kreisbreich elite which is a race in uh, central Brittany. Um, and that was, yeah, that was another big step up. Um, but actually I ended up being the only rider from the team to finish that race. Um, yeah. Although it was pretty, pretty tough, um, hard racing. I think the first day was like 230k stage. Um, That's brutal. So yeah, a bit of a baptism, baptism of fire. But um, no, that, that gave me like a really good, um progression and then the following year um yeah progressed um again a bit more and then started getting results in um elite level races in france regularly i didn't actually win any races but i think i got every position in the top 10 i think it was other than the first and seventh i think um but yeah i got six or seven podiums and yeah, I was showing that I was thereabouts for the win. Um, just didn't really come about. And then, sort of moving on, like it did come about with wins. Uh, obviously, quite quite a few. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, when you moved to to Aix and and how mm. you know, how did that move come about? Was that you know sort of getting the contact like did aches come in getting such review of your performances and then like it was quite a breakthrough season really for you like what was the the biggest difference for you uh in getting those bigger results bigger wins like at the, at the i think you won a basque stage race i'm not too sure the name of it i couldn't find it um mm-hmm. and then the top 10 in savoy mont blanc which is yeah a, a really cool uci stage race with some tough competition you know, I've, I've, so I've, I've said quite a bit there, but I, you know, I'll, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you yeah. down. No, yeah. So it came about basically with OCF. I was still, um, 
like I was still I was still paying to um to travel to races and stuff um and yeah that wasn't really feasible for me um just because I was having to work quite a bit to pay for that Mm -hmm. and um yeah so I managed to get hold of the phone number and email address of uh, Jean-Michel Bourguin who's the manager of ABC Aches and um yeah sent him my CV and um he I think like literally the week after I sent in my CV was where I got my best result in OCF I was second or third in the GC of Tour du Piemont Pyrenean which is a uh, pretty big elite stage race that there's a stage that goes over the Soulor and Orbisque and um, nice. I didn't win that stage but I was like first from the um, from the riders from the button so it was just one guy from the break stayed away but um, yeah that was yeah what showed that I really had the level to go to eights and then basically the week after so was where I agreed that I was going to go there the following year mm-hmm. um, and then yeah, the big difference with eights is that there was a really strong team and we were able to to race for the win. Um, basically, at every race and also race the team. Um, so there's actually a few occasions in the local Cat 1 races where we got like a 1, 2, 3, 4 or a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 from eights. Um, yes, that's true. And we'd end up with like, in a break of 10, there'd be like six riders from eights. Um, so that was really good just to learning that style of racing. And then obviously their calendar was a big step up from OCF with a lot of, um, lot of 2.2 races and some races in Spain that really suited me as well. So that was Walter Bidasoa that I won. Uh, well, I was second in GC and then I won the final stage. Um, so, yeah, that was my first win of the year. And then from there, it kind of, yeah, went um, pretty quickly with, uh, yeah, Volta Bidasoa. And then I was actually, I was ill at Ronde Lizard, which was a shame because then I had really good form. And then the following week, I won a stage in Volta Navarre. Um, and then couple of weeks later a stage in Tour du Beaujolais in France um, and held the yellow jersey until the last day there and then the week after was Tour de Savoie where I got I think it was two fifth places in stages and then I was third on the GC going into the last day and ended up kind of difficult last day ended up 10th on GC but that was yeah showing showing that I had the level to uh, to then go as a stagiaire and then, you know, obviously the level in Mont Blanc was quite high. Is that how uh, Delco got in touch with you from your performance there? Because, you know, I'm not sure if World Tour teams race Mont Blanc. I'm not, I don't know, do they? No, no it's um, 2.2. So you can, there's continental teams race it and then French pro cons teams are allowed to race it. So there was Arkea, Arkea Samsic and um i can't was there another french team um, or something like that um yeah like some years not the year i did there wasn't coffees but there's often 
there's often years where there's um, I mean this year B and B did it yeah and um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah so there's often a pretty high level I mean I think this year Pierre Roland won it um, so yeah and okay. just if you look at the Palmaris it's um, pretty incredible um, so yeah that was a really high level and the guy that won there um, Chris Harper was just on another level but then he's could have this year isn't he yeah exactly um but i could have with more experience got second on gc i reckon um it was just the last day i kind of yeah i think the fueling was an issue a bit and on the last day i just ran out of energy on the penultimate climb basically yeah and, and then that's, that's all all the yeah. learning curve really yeah yeah exactly and that was what was that was what was really important to learn with X and um, I just to answer your question about how did the stagiaire come about um, actually speaking to Jean-Michel more recently he said that um, the stagiaire they were in touch with him actually before Mont Blanc uh, Savoie um, but he kind of didn't want to put pressure on me for that race so um wait until afterwards um to tell me and in the end that was the race I went where I performed really well so that kind of just confirmed it and then pretty much the following week after that was where I, I signed um to be stagiaire of um Delco Marseille Provence I think it was called then yeah, yeah it was Marseille for sure. I think that yeah mm-hmm. and that so moving on from there that stagiaire period, I know you raced, you got eighth on a stage of uh, Arctic Race of Norway. Yeah, yeah, that was it, uh, yeah. That. And then, you know, how did you find your time as a stagiaire? And then how did the uh, how did the move, the full move to the Pro Conti team, the, the Delco One Provence, uh, how did that come about? from the stagiaire because obviously you went back to aches for half a year yeah yeah um so yeah when you're stagiaire you you obviously do the race as a stagiaire but then you're still allowed to race um for your amateur team so that end of season i was racing a lot and um i got some good results even on the aches side um that was when i won won volta valencia in spain as well Okay. Um, and that was sort of in between two races I did as a stagiaire. And in terms of the stagiaire races, was the first one I did was Arctic race. And yeah, obviously you get there and I mean, it was a cool race. There was, because um, um, it's up in Norway, there was a flight chartered by ASO, who are the organisers from Brussels airport I think and basically all the riders fly up there together and okay. I remember being on the plane and I was sat like behind Steve Cummings or something cool. and I think oh this is pretty pretty cool um but also a bit sort of in awe of um the world tour guys and all of that but then as soon as we started racing it was just um yeah I realized I had good level even compared to those guys and I mean, the first day I kind of missed a split and then ended up in the bunch, which lost a, a lot of time on the first group. But then the third day was a summit finish and, yeah, got eighth on that. And uh, that was having 
fallen off a couple of k's before the bottom of the climb actually so started the climb last and then just rode my way up past almost everyone um that's strong guys to the finish um and yeah i was pretty surprised by that to be honest um couldn't really believe it and then well actually on in the moment i was a bit cross because having fallen off and stuff i was thinking oh, i could have could have won that and that would have just been incredible but mm. yeah looking back that was definitely did enough and all my teammates were saying that i pretty much um guaranteed a spot on the team for the following year um with that result and basically that's what happened the following week was when i signed um with delco for or starting from the first of august the following year um so basically with aches so that was um, yeah with jean-michel they kind of decided that it was better for me to get more experience in the amateur races there's a few races i wanted to do again like savoir where i had a good result but could have done a lot better and then ronda lizard um as well i wanted to do again so that was the that was the idea um but then obviously lockdown didn't really end up doing any of that um but yeah i didn't I didn't miss much because in the end the racing started up again in August so ended up pretty perfect for me yeah it was uh you know quite impressive I remember like before I knew who you, who you were uh I remember what uh, hearing about the Arctic Arctic stage and I was like eighth who's this British rider on eighth I was like I was like really really impressed when I saw it and then obviously you know you know you know Ollie and it was like nice to, to sort of chat with you that way and then, mm-hmm. uh, as you've as you've spoken about the move to to Juan Provence, you know you had a, gr- a great result. You know you, you won a race in your first Neo Pro season, or uh, Daziaco mm-hmm. Classica. You know that was a great yeah. race. You know, it was a little a little black brief rundown, like a little you know, minute thirty second rundown of that race. And then, what's your next goal uh, for this year after after having won, won your first race as a pro? Okay, so um, yeah, that race was coming off the Volta Portugal and yeah, had some good form and Jersey form. Yeah, um, but actually, yeah, I um, yeah, I wasn't feeling too good for the first half of the, for, or no, most of the race actually, like four out of five laps. And actually at one point I was dropped um, then came back in the cars, just fought back and then in the last lap so the last 20ks I just felt amazing and got away in one break we got brought back and then got away immediately again in a group of eight or nine I think um then over the final climb that went down to four riders and with like a k to go on that final climb I attacked got like 12-15 seconds over the top and then just soloed the last 10 or 10 or so k's to the finish um and also yeah it was pouring rain pretty cold so that was a big factor as well and even just the descent was a bit treacherous with the wet but no I was uh yeah in that last lap I just felt amazing so that was pretty special impressive that and then you know next goal or for this season what's your what's your main goal that you want to do is just gain experience is it 
a race win. You know, for anyone who mm-hmm. who hasn't listened to the Lantern Rouge cycling podcast, the EF Education First preview they've done. You know, um, the chap who runs it as a as a tip Simon for it, what a stage win. Is that something you you want to go for? You know, what's the what's the goal? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's my sort of ultimate goal is win a Grand Tour stage. Um, that's been my goal for a few years, and and I'm getting close to that. Whether it will happen this year or not, I don't know. Um, I mean, the goals before that really is two twofold. So. Um, the one is to, for myself, perform really well on the slightly smaller races that we do. Um, so that's something that I've discussed with the team is to keep sort of a winning mentality and, um, yeah, go for results myself. I have the legs on those smaller races and then, um, in the bigger races, obviously help the, the um better riders um more experienced riders um on the team um and gain experience that way and then also help the team and progress myself and then hopefully if i do that well um i guess yeah there's a possibility of me doing a grand tour which would most likely be the vuelta i know i'm definitely not doing the giro and um i mean the tour de france would be pretty unlikely i think as well so yeah it would have to be the vuelta um which i'm pretty pleased about anyway um and yeah if i could win a stage yeah that would be the that would be a sort of ultimate goal yeah that would be amazing yeah Um, so just in the last sort of note really um before the last slide uh, so finally, like, you know, you, you moved to EF. You know, how is everything so far? How was your training camp? You know, what, what's it mm. like on a World Tour training camp with the level of riders, support, like, you know, the kit, um, everything like that, really. And then, you know, you, you did really well at GP Marseille. I think you finished, was it 20, 24th in the end? Yeah, I think, yeah, the result wasn't on, on PCS. Wasn't, uh, yeah, wasn't great, but I think I, it was more like how I raced was, um, um, yeah, showed what I could do. So, so for those listening on the podcast, uh, the photo on the slide at the moment is of Simon next to Tim Wellens, who's, you know, arguably one of the best breakaway riders in the current peloton. And for those of you who didn't watch any of the footage, uh, you were on his wheel for you know, decent portion of the climb. So he definitely raced it, raced it well. And, you know, how, how is, how is racing at that, at that level at World Tour, you know, what, are the, what are the difference? Um, yeah, well, definitely. I mean, the team camp, you can definitely see that the support is another level, even compared to in a pro Conti team. Um, I mean, even before I went to team camp, just in terms of, um, getting the bike sent over, getting all coaching stuff sorted. Um, and yeah, even down to like strength and conditioning coaches and yeah, sort of medical um, sort of um, access. Um, so yeah, that was definitely another level. And, um, and then, yeah, got to training camp and actually it was a smaller training camp from what the other guys said because you ended up um with covid there was 13 riders um we we're in the sud region of france so sort of 
Provence area. Yeah. And um, yeah, 13 riders and then half a dozen staff. So pretty small compared to what they normally have. Yeah. But yeah, still you just see the, the difference in support is um, yeah, another level. And then with um, the riders as well, um, there was just really close um the level between everyone whereas in other teams there's always sort of a couple of riders that stand out and then um a couple of riders that maybe aren't going so well whereas yeah um with ef we were doing sort of race simulations and it was actually a, a proper race um which was oh. which was really fun it, you know, it looks it looks amazing. It's something I personally aspire to, and and hopefully, you know, you sharing your journey will help the guys who are at the M1 level already, or people who want to 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 you know follow your footsteps, uh, just to help mm-hmm. them a little bit more. So moving on now, so this is just the last side really. It's sort of the contrast really. What I want to focus on between the DM1 level and the pro ranks at Pro Conti or World Tour. I know you said there's a bit of a difference between Pro Conti and World Tour, but just for the sake of this, we'll club them together. You know, mm-hmm. firstly, just like, you know, uh, we can move this one, you know, just however, you know, answer it however you want, really. But yeah. you know, what's the difference between the level of teams, riders, and races first? Okay. Um, yeah, so um, I'd say the teams, obviously, is a completely different level in terms of level of support and um, sort of material and then the coaching and everything, like I said before. And then um, also, obviously, all the riders um, are paid um, decent wages. So as as, um, like in any pro team, really. Um, So, you know, no one's working and stuff, um, just riding their bikes, which obviously is a big bonus once you get to that level and um but yeah i'd say the level from what i found um is that the level definitely in dm1 in france is really really high and the top like three four five riders um at that level um are as good as the majority of pro riders i think it's just getting there and then obviously once you're there, the the sort of the way the races um, play out is a bit different as well. Mm. And then obviously that's the next point. How how do yeah. the races play out? You know, we can just we can just yeah. keep it smooth. It's like a nice smooth yeah. training. Okay, okay, yeah. So um, yeah, with the amateur races in France, it's pretty chaotic, and basically you have to be at the front all the time because um the race deciding move can go at pretty much any point um and sometimes it's not even when you think it would go or often it's not even when you think it's going to go so just got to be really aware but then also learn what moves to follow what moves not to follow um to yeah be there in the final with good energy left um so yeah and then the pro race is a lot more structured i think from what i've done it suits me a lot better in that i wasn't great at the really tactical side of the amateur 
racing, but I was definitely strong enough. Um, whereas, so in the pro races where it's quite easy to predict what's going to happen and everyone knows you've got to be at the front at this kilometre and then it's a climb and, yeah, yeah. you basically decided by the legs, then that's, that suits me better, I think. Um, and actually in Spain, it's quite similar to that as in spain is more similar to pro racing that okay. it's a lot more controlled a lot less chaotic and um you can predict what's going to happen and where the race is going to be decided so that is probably why i performed better in spain as an amateur as well yeah that sounds sort of my my cup of tea as well a bit more a bit more organized like that so i'm, I'm quite glad i'm going to spain now um <laughs> I, so you've already sort of touched on the level of support. We don't really need to to go over that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in terms of race organisation between, you know, like, so to just for the ease of this, we'll focus on, like, uh, the, the Coupe de France, a DM1, and then, say, GP Marseille. Like, now, what's the, what's the organisation? Like, obviously, it's pro race, so everyone's getting paid, but, you know, is, are they similar? Is it vastly different? You know, what's the, what's the differences there? Um... Well, it's, um, yeah, it's a a lot different. Um, Obviously, outside of the race, it's very different Um, just because of, you know, all the riders, you've got your bus, um, although I haven't actually done a race where they've had a team bus yet. Um, But, um, yeah, and just all that support, outside of the race and everyone gets a massage lots of soigneurs you get um feed zones um all of that sort of stuff and obviously the amateur races is you have to look after yourself a bit more but then um i mean in apes it was pretty close to what a pro team is anyway um definitely the pro teams i've been in um i'd say apes is closer to um yeah, Ace is close to a pro team um, than it would be to like a lower level Gen 1 team. Okay. Um, yeah. And yeah, but then once you're racing, it's obviously there might be slight difference in tactics here and there, and um, the race might be a bit longer in, as a pro, but then it's basically exactly the same. Um, yeah, it's just just slight differences really it's still still just a bike race at the end of the day yeah exactly and then you know let's let's sort of move on to on on to the salary aspect here you know obviously don't have to say any figures because you know non-disclosure agreements and all that's kind of chance but you know at dn1 you know were riders that you know of your experience like do you know of teams that were paying riders could you give like a vague range between like three and five hundred for example like nothing specific, mm-hmm. just like a vague idea, and then obviously yeah. at pro people know like you know there is minimum wage at pro conti and world tour, so twelve yeah. just just the DN one salary here really. Yeah, so um, yeah, the DN one salaries. I mean, like I said with with um, OCF, um, so the first years I was there, I was like paying for um, most of my stuff and. Um, then yeah in the sort of bigger dn1 teams the kind of lower level riders will 
just get their the it's basically you just get your travel costs um covered so if you're like in the reserve team or just doing a few races with the elite team then that might be like 150 100 a month even like not very much at all yeah. and then it would sort of go up maybe to if you're one of the top riders in the n1 team um from what i've heard would be like up to sort of 500 a month um and that's basically just because you'll be racing a lot more and it's um basically that money is to cover your travel costs because obviously as amateur teams they're not, not allowed to to pay wages so yeah those are just sort of um yeah all, all of the expenses basically um so yeah in a team like aches um basically the cycling doesn't cost you anything um so but then you're not actually semi-pro kind of yeah exactly like you make enough so it doesn't cost you anything and then if you go and do some races where you get some good creams and stuff you might make a bit of money but even then i think the most money i've made in a race from preems was i think 400 euro so it's not like a huge huge amount yeah um just and then yeah with delco um i was just on the minimum wage and then with ef as well at the moment just minimum wage um for world tours obviously that's a bit more than the um pro conti minimum wage um but yeah hopefully it's going to go up in um well in the next next years yeah we just just have to just to see for that i mean after after you've won the water gc this year you know that'll go up (laughs) hopefully yeah (laughs) no for for sure there's uh, there's, some big things to come this year um you know, on the PowerPoint, it says signing here for Spanish races, but you, but you have touched on on that, saying a bit more organised and you know DM DM one's a bit more chaotic. So yeah. you know, this is this is the last bit, really. Um, is there anything you want to add as as you know in your position as well to like any tips you can give anyone going through the DM one journey to Pro Conti to World Tour or you know, in terms of like getting contacts, advice, the racing, just just like a couple of tips, or you know, if not, no worries, just just sort of anything to add on, really. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of a good good advice. I mean, um, yeah, the one thing I've seen definitely for Brits coming out to France is that um, whether they succeed or not is kind of seems to be more based off of obviously you've got to have the talent and whatever but then some guys just can't really hack it being away from home and um you know they might be sort of on their own or living on their own or whatever and that seems to be the biggest barrier from what i've seen um for brits okay moving over to france and racing and yeah obviously I was in a good situation um, having grown up here. I was basically like any other French rider yeah. um, racing DM1. So I didn't really have that problem. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something I've seen with the other um, other sort of Brits and stuff that have raced out here. It seems quite common. Um, and then, yeah, the other thing, I mean, this is something they said in 
eggs um, and I mean something that they use for their recruitment as well and then also advice for us racing is basically that the only thing that counts at the end of the day is if you win a race or not and even um, I mean if you look at uh, that year I was in eights, I won quite a few stages of stage races. And sometimes that was because, like in Volta Navarre, the first three stages, I basically just sat up, saved energy, because I knew that the stage four suited me. Yeah. And um, I was, yeah, I didn't sit up completely. I was like helping one of my teammates who was decently placed on GC, but then, yeah, just saving energy in the finals and just going for that one win. And that's what, definitely Jean-Michel was always said is that a win is a win basically even if it's a a small a smaller race or if it's even a cat two race if you've won like four cat two races then you can win races so that's what they want whereas guys might go straight to like doing loads of high level cat one races or elite races and then their best result will be like 15th and that basically doesn't mean anything for a team looking at you Um, because also considering that a team might not know the level of particular races. So, you know, you might say this was a really hard race and I was 12, but for them, it's just like how do they have to race or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it's definitely advice is always, always go for a win where possible rather than like hanging in for a top 15 on gc or something yeah um yeah but yeah that's some really good advice actually you know you know and again here just i want to say uh you know i I, um a really big thanks for for coming on the podcast uh, and and the youtube channel i really appreciate it um for those of you who want to follow your journey a bit more i'll place and for those of you who already do i'm sure there's quite a few now now you're at, what, at the highest level of the sport i'll put all your um you know all your links and all that kind of good stuff in the description mm-hmm. of both of them. yeah just yeah, it's that. mainly mainly instagram with me mm-hmm. and then i post actually everything on strava at the moment i mean yeah even like with power data and stuff for anyone who's interested and that sort of stuff but um yeah, yeah i probably need to find out if i should be doing that now or not um but yeah, who knows? Um, like, I never really understood riders hiding that. So yeah, yeah. after phone up JV after this, yeah, <laughs> already will. Yeah, am I allowed? But no, yeah. Um, I'll so on, underneath this, I'll link your Instagram and Strava. Then if they're the ones you use mainly, yeah. Uh, yeah. For those people who wanting to follow your journey, uh, you told me before we started recording. But what are the next two races you're going to be at, so people can look after you? Yeah. So uh, next two races is going to be Tour du Haute-Var, um, Ovar, in, uh, in France as well, in Provence. And then the following weekend will be the Drome and Ardèche Classics. So the Haute-Var is in about 10 days' time, um, just under 10 days' time that starts. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to, to getting some more racing in the legs. Mega, yeah. So, you know, obviously I want to wish you the best of luck for those races. Uh, you know, just got to give it some beans, I guess. I guess that's the same. Yeah. And again, yeah. yeah, just just a, just a massive thanks for joining us. Uh, join us, I mean me. There's no one else here. 
um, and then hopefully can can check in later in the season, uh, you know how things are going. Yeah. And then yeah, uh, so thanks to everyone listening and watching to this. I really appreciate you tuning in. And if you've got any questions or the riders you want me to to interview, then you know, please just let me know in the comments or on my Instagram. Cheers. Thanks for watching. Bye.